Hello and welcome back to Bitcoin People. I have with me today Spartacus Huddle, who has chosen to remain anonymous and use his avatar because Spartacus works for JP Morgan. And we're going to get a little bit of inside understanding of Jamie Dimon's stance on Bitcoin, JP Morgan's stance on Bitcoin, and how Spartacus perceives all of that and what he hears and sees around the place. So we're going to start just there. First of all, hello and welcome aboard Spartacus. Nice to have you here. Hey, Carrie. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Great to uh, talk to you and see you again. I'm delighted to be here. Absolutely gorgeous, because you and I have met in person. We met at a Bitcoin conference. Yes, that's right. And we got chatting over dinner one night, and I was determined, actually, to not talk to anyone that night. I'd actually been invited out to dinner and declined because my voice was going, because I'd talked to so many Bitcoiners during the day, and my my voice was giving away. And I sat down (laughs) next to you, and I was determined not to talk to you. And then we started talking, and we kept going for, like, another three hours. Yeah, it was an amazing chance meeting, right? I mean, um, Miami was a lot of fun. (laughs) And uh, yeah, as you say, you kind of meet so many people there, you do so much talking, but, um, you know, sometimes the best interactions are the the ones you actually have outside the conference, right? So it was great to, uh, you know, that we ran into each other then. Really good. It was really good and a great chat. And I just loved it and the whole vibe of the place, you know, it was just awesome. So I've already alluded to the fact that you're using an avatar uh, because uh, you work at JP Morgan and have done for some time. And I had Greg Foss on this program about something or other, some weeks or a couple of months ago or something. And he said that he doesn't believe at all that Jamie Dimon could be so unintelligent as to not understand bitcoin therefore he chooses to believe that that jamie is conflicted between providing um profit and value to the shareholder versus what's right for his children and the next generation and so i guess i'm wondering as a starting point you know this is the conflict between traditional finance and Bitcoiners. And my question to you is, have you ever seen or heard anything internally at JP Morgan that would make you think that perhaps some of those stances aren't yeah, quite I, as they seem? I get the stance, but I have to be honest, I think we're probably all too bullish if we think that Jamie Dimon is like secretly a Bitcoiner and he's stacking sats like, like all of us <laughs> and he's read the Bitcoin standard. I can promise you that's not the case 100% not the case he is he is a you know a boomer that's in charge of one of the biggest organizations in the world that employs a quarter of a million people and you know has is a multi-billion dollar business Mm. he's got you know a million things going on and he he absolutely does not have the time to even spend sort of two to five minutes probably understanding or learning about bitcoin or, or what it is so when people ask him about Bitcoin, it's kind of pointless in a way. The only the only things he does say about Bitcoin, you know, the stuff he says about Bitcoin in public, I would say is 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 what he do, truly does believe. He still thinks that Bitcoin is used only by criminals and for money laundering and um, nefarious activities, all this. That's 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 what we're dealing with currently. Um, unfortunately, it's gonna 
it's going to be some time. If we're if you're thinking if we're thinking that you know Jamie Diamond's going to save us and uh, it's going to be the start of the next bull run, <laughs> uh, you're going to have to rethink that. But um, yeah, he's he, the only the only thing I would say is that whilst all that is true, there is obviously pressure from clients um, demanding you know Bitcoin exposure, and we saw this. This happened mm. kind of in uh, 2021 during the last bull market. You know, there was there was a massive amount of institutional FOMO. So FOMO is a very powerful emotion, as we know. Mm. And it's not just, you know, it, everyone gets it. And ultimately, companies are run by people. And people, those people do get FOMO. So when they see Bitcoin going on a bull run, you know there is there is pressure for them to to get some exposure to this asset and so at the end of the day they're going to come to jp morgan and say look look i don't, I don't care I, I want bitcoin exposure i want to i want some i want a piece of this action make make it happen jamie diamond ultimately he has to listen to that and and try and um cater to what they want even if he personally doesn't believe in it so that's what i'd say so is there any pressure? Uh, I'm sure that retail clients don't matter, but from institutional clients, do you think there is legitimately pressure? Because we've seen other institutions take it up. Yeah, there, there is. I mean, there, there was, well, at least there was. It kind of goes with the cycles again, doesn't yeah. it? So, you know, as we saw 2021 during the bull run, Bitcoin ran up to 60K. I could tell you there was definitely a, diff, a totally different vibe internally in the company about bitcoin then than there is there is now like it's completely dead now you know like a couple of years ago 2021 i had i was getting questions about bitcoin every day from various people and senior managers they were very interested um in under in trying to learn more about the asset and and there was lots of rumblings of you know different kind of things going the potentially going on but that is almost all dead now so as the bear market has set in, so has kind of that that institutional interest a bit. It's died down a lot now. There is still some stuff being worked on in the back burner, but I don't. I think until we kind of get to the next sort of start of the ball, the next bull run, the next cycle, as it were, mm -hmm. you're gonna. Um, it, it's gonna be a bit. It's it's a bit more tepid now. So is there an understanding that there is likely to be another bull one? Is there an understanding that they need to have some specialist Bitcoiners on board? Is there any work in the background to say we, we're going to need a Bitcoin fund of some sort for as and when? So we're prepared. Yeah, so, so the kind of strategy at the moment is they're totally clueless, <laughs> right? Wow. So there i remember doing um i remember going i went to the uh the bitcoin conference in amsterdam um uh, in october last year and there was a panel there about um the big the, the bitcoin media panel i thought it was one of the best panels and it had some representatives from like the ft and other media outlets talking about about bitcoin and and bitcoin's perception of the media and one of the the things which i really which really resonated with me the one the speaker said was how internally in like their newspaper or their media outlet, 
no one really knows where bitcoins should sit like should it be on the finance desk or should it be on the tech desk like what is this thing what is this asset class and that's kind of almost i see almost exactly the same thing happening within jp morgan like should it be is, is it a commodity or is it is it fx like should it be on the fx desk or is it is it actually part of equities and they have etfs on it maybe it's an equities fund thing and so no everyone is like fighting over it like oh you know we're gonna do we're gonna do bitcoin or you know we're gonna be the ones to sell the bitcoin exposure to the clients you know we want that pnl for our desk it's it's oh, very political wow. right now yeah 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 but surely because my understanding is that fidelity and blackrock have both got bitcoin on their books and funds under management so can jp morgan afford to be playing in-house politics and not getting set up for the next so one? it goes right to the top level again like jamie diamond is is you know totally against doing anything with physical spot bitcoin so if you think that you know jp morgan is stacking sats and has some holding of bitcoin somewhere in the bank i can promise you that is not the case today there is no um bitcoin physical bitcoin fund they don't want to go near any physical bitcoin at, at all because again that they, they just they're just terrified of the prospect that it would hurt their reputation because it could be associated those, those bitcoins could be associated with money laundering or could come from you know terrorist financing or you know drug dealers it's so, so they, old school it's like, exactly this that's, is like that's, from 2015 that's how early we are unbelievable I know, right? that, okay that's that's and, what that's the that's the level right now wow okay so how do you however they they, they are they do they do they are on board though potentially giving bitcoin cash um cash exposure to 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 clients so you know exposure to let's say the cme cash settled bitcoin futures oh yeah um, so if a client you know client just wants bitcoin exposure they can get that through um, doing futures but maybe they can't trade those futures on cme themselves so they go through jp morgan or another bank as an intermediary and then jp morgan would just hedge the the bitcoin exposure on their side um through some other means so, so that we you know we don't take any risk that so that would be the idea and that's what, yeah that's what a number of other banks have done already like goldman sachs numura um so jp morgan is a bit behind the curve there but you know that probably will happen especially once bitcoin price starts going up again and the fomo from institutions comes back a bit more i'd say Okay, got it. Although it seems a little late in the piece to be getting onto it right then. You know, you missed yeah. too much of the action in the early part of the, the bull run. Um, but one, one more thing, I, or a couple yeah. more things I would also say is that um, back to like, you know, how there's loads of different parts of the bank, you know, looking looking at this. And there's, there's also, you also got the market strategists. So the ones that write research for institutional investors and tell investors, you know, their outlook for the bar, the markets and uh, oh, where yeah. they think things are going and what to invest in. And they're, they're, they're bullish, actually. They're very bullish on Bitcoin. You so know, they, they get it? They understand the value Yeah, they, well, they, they understand that Bitcoin is now a macro asset. They've recognized that Bitcoin is a macro asset and this, like, giant world of all of the liquidity flows so the massive flows of money that you have going from risk assets to 
safe haven assets like bonds, um, flows into gold, um, equities, all these other asset classes, they've now kind of added Bitcoin or they call it like crypto, quote unquote crypto. So they throw in Ethereum as well. Um, but, you know, mostly they talk about Bitcoin and, you know, they sort of, you know, they've written very detailed research reports um, on the subject. You know, they did a deep, they've done deep dives on like, on like the El Salvador um, experiment. They've done deep dives on Bitcoin compared to gold mm-hmm. and they they actually are bullish you know they do recognize that bitcoin has cycles and that they recognize that bitcoin is somewhat a hedge to monetary debasement and so that when the if when um say the rates market turns around when the fed pivots and the the money starts flowing back onto risk on assets they do think that you know bitcoin will again we will again see you know um uh, bitcoin being the fastest horse and outperform all these other assets so they're they're bullish so they're seeing it as two things then they're seeing it almost like a a tech stock so that risk on yeah yeah exactly but in the same breath seeing it as a hedge against debasements of, of currency and inflation which seems like a conflict because it means you're taking a risk on and risk off approach in the same in the same breath well there's never any they do not they do not talk about you know how bitcoin could potentially become the could become the next world reserve asset you know they're always still thinking in fiat terms they're not thinking in terms of like hyper bitcoinization and thinking that this will ultimately replace the dollar they're looking at it from a perspective of um you know yeah investment are you what do you want to buy and then sell to make the most profit and yeah yeah you know only dollar is king how do i get more dollars and and so you know they're just kind of saying that um there is correlation between um monetary policy being loose and being tight um and you know risk on assets like bitcoin being um doing well and doing badly yeah okay gotcha and so you're saying the guys who are doing the market research, they've they're clearly, and I'm using the word guys generically there, uh, uh, onto it and are bullish versus investors. Yeah, yeah. What about you saying there's two hundred and fifty thousand people employed in your general day to day interactions with the people around you? What's their general stance? What what's the majority? Yeah, what- before I get to that, I'd say mm-hmm. there's also one other group, and that's kind oh, of yeah. like the tech, the tech spec, the tech um oh, yeah. kind of group. And from their perspective, I mean they probably have the most um if if you Gross. know if you if you ask you no, I no, not actually. Believe <laughs> or not. Um I'll get I'll get to I'll get to it, but um you know, if you if you were to do like an internal search on say cryptocurrencies or what's what's JP Morgan's strategy around crypto, the this sort of this tech group, the Onyx group, is probably what you would find first. But then though, it's they're at the level of it's blockchain, not Bitcoin. So for them, yep. they they're almost thinking like they're 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 too smart for their own good. They've they they think that Bitcoin 
you know, obviously we know we've seen this all before. This is like again an old a 2016, you know, pre 2017 um, narrative. But um, oh yeah, we're too, is the breakthrough, yeah, not Bitcoin. Exactly, yeah. you know, um, Bitcoin was the was just um, was not the real innovation. Blockchain was, and we're going to do all these fancy things using blockchain. We're going to go into DeFi. We're going to go into Web three metaverse um crypto we're gonna you know settle repo transactions on the DeFi, uh yield farming like all this word salad shit <laughs> so, oh my goodness they don't so get they're it mixing all, it in with all of those they, things they're, they're completely discounting um bitcoin they they're just trying to develop st- you know products and around blockchain how can they market a their latest you know it product to um customers you know with the word blockchain in it um yeah <laughs> it's 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 insane it is and fascinating you know it's funny i um I had the privilege of of interviewing Checkmate, who works for Glass, you know, Glassnode on chain, yeah, yeah, um, analysis, yeah, and he's, uh, he's amazing. Actually, he's got a really good brain, and he said because he goes around and does educational pieces on on chain analysis to big banks, right through to retail, right through to you know internet, like Vietnam school kids, through to, you know, you name it. Yeah, and he said there'll be retail customers who have gone deep diving into on-chain analysis and there'll be people in big institutions, some of whom absolutely get it and others who are just brand new and asking really just those starter questions just to get that difference between Bitcoin and crypto. Like they're they're not even there yet. And that's interesting for me to hear from you. Um, yeah exactly like they, they're just um again they're almost too smart for their own good they they think that you know that bitcoin is not the innovation they and they just completely overlooked it and uh you know blockchain was is the real is the real deal and they need to develop products around blockchain but i'm yet to see you know obviously like any real use case of a blockchain outside decentralized sound money you do not need blockchain unless you're unless you have unless you want bitcoin any you know any time you use a blockchain for anything other than bitcoin a centralized database which is, would do just as well and is a much more efficient um you know technology and they just well, don't, they, they don't get it they, they completely not... discount the possibility that bitcoin could be a replacement to the dollar at some point or the next world reserve currency because that would threaten obviously JP Morgan's current business model. So they don't they don't even want to go there. If we've got that kind of uh, attitude or mentality in are you the largest bank in the world, one of the largest banks in the world, Yeah. what are our chances of how do you feel about, I mean, you're very bullish on Bitcoin. How do you feel about, do you ever feel disheartened by the attitude of, you know that old school no, not not really I, I think it's you know I, I think it's exactly as I do as I would expect and 
I think things can change very quickly, you know, because you start. I started to see um, kind of the the initial sort of sprouts of that during the last bull run during 2021. Like, because mm. so like I've been in Bitcoin since about 2018, and I remember, you know, I started buying Bitcoin around late 2018, early 2019 when the price was around 3k, and then it went up to 8k during 2019. I'm like telling my friends, guys, you got you got to buy Bitcoin. Like you got to get some of this stuff. This is going to 50k like after the next halving, you know, it stopped to flow all of this. And, you know, no one was listening to me. And then any, and, you know, no one, no one at work, no one internally was aware, even aware of, of almost even aware of Bitcoin's existence or they had, they'd maybe been aware of it, like at the peak of the 2017 bull run, but now it's dead. It's completely dead. We're never going back to it. Can stop talking about that thing. Um, it's, 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 it's dead. And and then all of a sudden, right, it's back 2021, you know, Bitcoin's back. Everyone's talking about Bitcoin and, and with, you know, and now, now even like institutions want to get on board, um, clients want it. And so things can change very quickly. Yeah. Right. You know, you, and like I said, the FOMO, um, you know, I mean, it's still true that JP Morgan will be the last ones to buy, you know, along with central banks, they are going to be the last ones. So it's it and that's to our advantage right so yeah. oh yeah you know it's 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 actually good in a way of how early we are because you know if jp morgan came out tomorrow and said yeah we just bought a million bitcoin the price is going to go skyrocket and you'll never be able to buy um prices this cheap ever again in your life in anyone's lifetime yeah. and so we we have the advantage here that yeah. we can front run them, you know, all of the regulation and the red tape and the reputational worries they have um, that slowing them down. You know, we we can we can take advantage of that right now. Yeah. But, you know, it's not going to it will happen at some point um, because once they all once there's a once there's a singular focus that, OK, clients want this, otherwise they're going to leave. I could I could promise you things happen very quickly. Like when there is pressure on the traders, when there is pressure on the front office to, um, you know, give a client what they want, mm-hmm. um, you know, some kind of exotic derivative structured product that um, the, the client services the client's needs, everybody moves internally very, very quickly, you know, and it, it, becomes a, it becomes like a scramble to get the right approvals in place and get the right technology set up and just just do the thing even if we have to sacrifice um you know some some kind of um operational constraints and and so it, it, yeah it, when it when it when they're ready it will happen very quickly but they are going to be the last ones interesting so what kind of questions did you get from them through 2021 were they informed questions were they interesting questions were they uh, were they asking the right yeah, I mean, questions all the usual you would expect right like you know why does bitcoin have to take up have to use so much energy why does like the you know a virtual internet currency have to use so much energy in the real world um you know why can't bitcoin just be replaced by some other you know spin up cryptocurrency why why is you know why shine why why is bitcoin going to win and not ethereum you know all these kind of all these kind of questions and oh you know i thought bitcoin was only used by um money launderers and criminals <laughs> interesting stuff isn't it i don't know if anyone's listening that um 
is really quite new to Bitcoin. And, I, you know, I kind of always hope. I mean, part of this process for me is yeah. orange pilling friends and family. So do you want to dispel some myths just whilst we're here? Because it's come up a couple of times around sure. criminals, criminal activity and black market. Yeah, well, the, the way I kind of look at that is I always sort of say Bitcoin is just a tool. Bitcoin is just a technology. It could be used for good and evil. Um, just like, you just know, like anything hash. like a, you know, a knife could be used for um, either cooking or, or stabbing someone. Um, and you know, so if, if if Bitcoin is is kind of apolitical, neutral money, of course criminals are going to use it. Of course, it will be used for nefarious activities at some point. But that doesn't take away from the innovation. Yeah. And the reality right now is that, um, like, or is it was the statistic like over ninety percent of all the U.S. dollars in circulation have traces of cocaine on them? But the U.S. dollar really? fiat money is is the preferred medium of exchange for for criminals today. Um, because of its untraceability you know every every transaction on every bitcoin transaction can be ultimately traced on the blockchain so it's terrible for criminals and that, that's usually the, my answer is is yeah. around it's you know way more transparent on the blockchain the, than they're learning very quickly you know how the fbi comes after um you know these big the sort of um hackers or or um yeah organized crime organizations that that you that that do stupidly use um bitcoin to try and launder money they they can track them very easily um on on the blockchain and then ultimately it doesn't matter how long it takes they will ultimately get them yeah. so okay it's um yeah and I, I you know i don't know the exact i can't remember the exact stat of how many there were obviously have been studies right of how many bitcoin transactions are used for criminal activities versus um, normal activities and it's something like you know 0.3 percent a tiny proportion right. um is, is 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 the reality but um yeah it's it's obviously it's it doesn't it doesn't matter either way right it's but you know as we just said bitcoin is neutral um censorship censorship resistant money it's just a technology yeah. so we shouldn't not use it because um just because of its potential to be to be used in a, by you know criminal actors oh, same as the internet and and the internet to begin with was first used by criminals and you know and then it became very mainstream yeah quickly. yeah um you know and... you gotta look just because we got we just um you gotta you gotta find other ways to stop criminal activity happening other than you know um take like banning a potentially useful technology yeah Indeed, indeed. Um, another question you said came up around it was why does it have to use so much energy? And in the questionnaire that you sent me, you said, because I sent out this pre-questionnaire yeah. beforehand, um, and we were talking about the values of Bitcoin and the values, you know, and how they fit with your own personal values. One of the things you said here was more energy use equals more human flourishing. Now that's sorry. Absolutely, yes. So explain that because that might sound counterintuitive to some people. Yeah, so I think a lot of people take for granted all of the, you know, the modern day um, luxuries they have thanks to all of how much energy um, we actually use now compared to our ancestors or compared to people in the medieval times did, let's say, right? You know, ultimately, right. as a if you think about big picture stuff 
um, right, in terms of like kind of gener- um, civilization and generational, you know, technology, the the larger, if in order for a civilization to get to get bigger and use and become more technologically technologically advanced, they have to use more energy. It's like mm-hmm. we use energy. We have all of these amazing tools and technologies today that help us survive and, and give us loads of benefits like um you know the car allows us to travel very quickly that we can use to get on an airplane to go travel around the world very quickly we can use fossil fuels to keep us warm um during the day in our houses to to shelter us from the elements we can use energy to keep our um food um cold in the fridge and stop it from going off so all of these modern day benefits come from using more and more energy if we decided to tomorrow that we don't want to use any more energy then we'd all just kind of almost instantly die and um as a as we'd be exposed to the elements you know we'd kind of all freeze mm-hmm. to death as it were if we yeah. decided to stop using energy all of a sudden so the more energy we use the more human flourishing we can have because all of the all of the poverty you know we see in third world countries is a direct result of them not using enough energy to to have the same standard of living that we do they don't use enough energy to say get clean water they they don't have enough energy to keep them warm at night maybe or or you know have a constant source of electricity wow Um, that takes us into some interesting territory so uh, there's plenty of people, perhaps myself, certainly I've never thought about it that way, I would have thought the poverty of the, um, you know, of of the poorest countries on earth, two things come to my mind as soon as you say that. One is um, Jared Diamond's Guns, Germs and Steel and that whole um, idea around geography and the natural resources of a country and the you know frankly the the climate the weather and you know their capacity to grow and therefore build their own bodies as well as their civilization so that's one idea that goes way back in history a more modern yeah um, geography makes a big difference what's that sorry yeah geography has a big impact yeah i heard oh have you heard um the latest joe rogan with um peter something or other i'd never heard him before and he starts talking about russia the russia ukraine war and um and the fact oh it's absolutely fascinating and i haven't got that far into it it, oh look i really really recommend it because he talks about that in ways that i haven't heard anyone else talk about it but part of what he's talking about is the lack of arable land in Mm. russia and therefore the need to invade you know local countries yeah. for their own security reasons in terms of having a buffer yeah, between them that and makes people sense. consider a threat but also for arable land and weather you know like like decent weather for farming so it was really different way of looking at it uh than anything else i've heard the other thing um that goes through my mind is also i listened to alex gladstein recently talking about how the imf and wef between them Hmm. particularly the IMF really screws smaller countries like he does yeah that is for sure that's just devastating you listen to that stuff and it's heartbreaking like I was literally I was I choked up at one stage when he was talking about what they've done to Bangladesh and that was just one example so 
so that's an you've got a different take on that again. Well, I, I wouldn't say I have a different take. I do agree with both those points. You know, I think the I, as you said, the IMF, WF, they come in and they're almost like loan sharks to these emerging market countries, getting them, you know, addict, um, basically addicted, addicted debt. on debt yeah. and dependent on on their on the debt and the loans from them, and they can't they can't get themselves off them. Um, and then you have all of the recommendations about how they use that money that goes with it and and you know they end up you know wasting all that let's say waste that money on quote-unquote esg friendly energy unreliable energy sources like solar and wind when really they'd be much better off putting that money into reliable energy sources like fossil fuels even if it just burn the coal like oil gas etc that's the you know the fastest cheapest most reliable way to get energy um and but to the and to the first point I, I agree geography makes a big impact on these countries, but even still, if they had enough energy, there's always a way to, um, you know, kind of overcome your master, master, overcome those, yeah, overcome those um, disadvantages or master the climate to an expect to some extent. Like you just look at these totally artificial countries in the Middle East, like um, Dubai, and um, where did we just have the World Cup Qatar, right? Totally artificial countries that have just been built in the middle of the desert. They're yeah. only able to do that because they used an enormous amount of they, energy, which came from an enormous amount of money. They put an enormous amount of energy into building those cities. Um, the same could easily be done almost anywhere in the world. It, it's just, it just comes down to a question of how much resources you want to put into it. Mm. Okay. So one of the common concerns about Bitcoin is um, energy usage, and I hear your counter-argument to that, but the other thing that we know is going on in the Bitcoin space is that a lot of miners are setting up around, you know, oil and gas producers and using yeah. the burn-off. So yeah, exactly. So, so we know that, let's say, more energy equals more human flourishing, and we, you know any if we need to if we want to bring people above the poverty line we have to they have to um increase you know the amount of energy they use so how do we do that and that's where bitcoin comes in because now because we need to basically build out loads more energy production there we need to you know build out loads more power plants oil fields gas fields uh, nuclear power plants all of that has to be funded. There needs to be a massive overcapacity of energy, basically, so that the grid is reliable and that when there is, you know, a spike um, in the grid, when there's, you know, a spike in demand, um, there's enough energy there so that they don't have to have blackouts and they don't, you know, they don't, it, everything doesn't shut down. And Bitcoin mining is one of the only ways um, to kind of fund that and be that, buyer of energy of last resort so that you know bitcoin mining can turn off and on at the moment's notice doesn't have to be near population centers all it needs is an internet connection so you can build out this massive overcapacity of energy and have yep. bitcoin mining soak up the excess at all times and then when there is a spike in demand have the bitcoin miners turn off and um that and for a period of time small period of time that energy goes back directly to the grid to consumers 
And then once the spike has passed, you have the Bitcoin miners turn on and the, you have the, that natural equilibrium. Yeah. I think that's one of the most powerful things um, about Bitcoin. And I mean, that to me is super, super bullish and it's just going to lead. I, I agree with Marty Band and a lot of these other um, influences when they say it's going to lead to a merging of the energy industry with Bitcoin, the Bitcoin mining industry. Um, like all of these massive energy companies like Shell, BP, um, ConocoPhillips, I think they're going to get into Bitcoin mining in a massive way in the next couple of years. Um, and once they, you know, see the, they understand these benefits and see them more clearly, um, it's going to be insanely bullish for Bitcoin price. And it's going to be insanely bullish for civilization as a whole as well, because we're going to have, again, we're going to have more energy and yeah. we can then um, have, a, everyone can have a higher standard of living because we have that um, higher energy build out. Well, so that is really optimistic, but I can imagine, uh, I doubt that I've got many folk following me who are, you know, fully woke as it were, but ultimately, if we're going to orange pill the world and see hyper-Bitcoinization, we need to bring on board, um, you know, the full gamut, because as you said, it's a neutral technology. It's not a political technology. It doesn't have a left or right leaning any more than it, it can be used yeah. for good or evil. So, um, so I'm going to kind of, on behalf of, of the left and, and the Democrats and so forth, kind of ask, mm -hmm. it seems, it, 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 so, I mean, I would say in the Bitcoin industry, what we're seeing is something that's not only energy neutral, but is potentially energy negative because of what you've just said about the, you know, the feedback of energy back into the grid. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think our values are necessarily, I, I don't know whether you've thought about this, are necessarily ridiculously far from each other. Like, I think ultimately, regardless or left or right, and this is, I, I'm just curious to have this conversation. I, I, think, I, th I think the left is just kind of hypocritical sometimes. They don't understand what I found is when actually talking to people and friends that are you know, kind of on the left is they don't, act, they don't, when I, what did we first say, right? More energy equals more human flourishing. Mm. they they fundamentally they don't get that they don't understand that they don't they don't appreciate that equation right so if they don't if if, if that's a non-starter to begin with yeah. then of course they're going to see bitcoin mining as wasteful of course they're gonna you know think that bitcoin mining is a, is a total waste of energy and a waste of time because they don't understand the benefits of energy usage for the civilization and they certainly don't understand um the benefits of of bitcoin as an apolitical censorship resistant scarce asset and yeah. how that could be you know sound money for for um you know seven billion people on on the planet like a, a stable um store store of value so it, it's it's really i think it just comes down to education and getting them over that initial um kind of step so let me ask you this, if I were on the left and I meet you at a party and I, so if we leave aside just the energy thing at the moment, if we just went to the values, the values of Bitcoin, what we want to see for the world and where those overlap with what you would imagine a progressive agenda might be, where do you see the overlap between our two values? Because I think there is overlap. Yeah, I, I think it comes down to really how Bitcoin is a store of value. Yep. 
if you forget about everything else and just think of Bitcoin as a store value, as a scarce asset, you know, is that useful for people or not? Of course it's useful, right? You know, what else do you have as the store of value today? You, you know, this dollar is certainly not a store of value for people. It may be for people in countries where their currency is hyperinflating and they don't have easy access to anything else. You know, the dollar is still the most liquid currency in the world. It's easier to get access to, say, dollars than Bitcoin in Argentina. Mm -hmm. But if you're, you know, thankfully, fortunately, in the sort of Western civilization, we don't have to worry too much about those kind of problems. But still, for us, the dollar is not a good store of value over the long term. Mm. It does get debased. And, um, you know, gold is, you know, terrible store of value as well it's just a hard rock you know where you're going to store it where you know you have to worry about all the security concerns because it's a physical asset um other what else are you going to put your money in like equities look how volatile they are especially in the last year um can all the bank company can always you know go under is that company still going to be there in 100 years time so you know bitcoin property. offers a lot of people would say property yeah, well, property. So I own property, and I I really do think property is a total shitcoin. <laughs> all of the <laughs> all of the maintenance because... costs you have to deal with. Yeah, all of the maintenance I costs know. you have to deal with when you own property. Like every other week, something is going wrong. Right, the boiler needs replacing. Um, there's been a leak, and it has to get fixed. You've got to get the plumber in, or need to the you know the electricity needs rewiring. Oh, we've got to pay the service charge, got mortgage payments, like the cost, all the additional costs that come with property should not and be underestimated. For, for me, like there's council rates, there's yeah, you know, exactly. water, I mean, not just utility, but just getting the water out there. So the basic sewerage, uh, we've got also land tax and there's, what's the other one? Um, I was thinking there's body corporate fees that really add up and that's with an investment unit uh yeah it, it just goes yeah. and, on and, and even on after on all that on. even after all that yeah you know you can't there's other there's other massive disadvantages to using property as a store of value as well like you can't buy a fraction yes of property. like i can't Yet. go Yet. i can't go and buy five dollars worth of property store of value today can i i can't i can't I use, and it's also a liquid i if i want to sell my property you know, I can't just go on an exchange and hit the sell button in five seconds. I have to, you know, I have to go get a, um, I have to go put it on the market. I have to get a valuation. I have to, um, you know, court buyers, court some court buyers to show the, show the, show the property to them. Um, it, it could be like multi-month, sometimes year process to sell a property. So, it's 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 a terrible store of value from that perspective yeah um and okay. even yeah yeah so, 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 so is that what drew you in like so it sounds like you're not the black i would i wish i could say that it was the case but <laughs> i'm afraid it was much more um aspects of greed and um fomo that drew me in initially as well <laughs> so yeah. you know i was i drew i was drawn in initially um because I had FOMO from the 2017 bull run, I wanted some of that action. And I wasn't just buying Bitcoin to start with. I was a total shitcoiner and I bought a bunch of shitcoins too. Yeah. Um, and though I would say that even though I would say that even from day one, Bitcoin was always my unit of account. You know, I said, okay, I'm going to put like 16K 
into crypto here by Bitcoin and a bunch of other um, shit coins. And we're going to, I'm just going to let it run. We're going to see what happens. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, during 2019, I did have some of those shit coins pump massively. Like mm. you would not believe, I'll still say to this day, how incredible is that feeling you get when you wake up one day and you see one of your shit coins has pumped like 50%, 70%. Like it's an incredible rush. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so I did sell some of that back into Bitcoin. I never sold to go back into fiat dollars. I, it was always about accumulating more Bitcoin for me. Okay. And so that's interesting that that happened so early for you. That wasn't the case for me. I didn't know. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I guess it's because I always wanted, I just also wanted to kind of keep this kind of crypto portfolio kind of in, internal. I never wanted, I didn't want to sell for dollars until, you know, I thought the market had really, really peaked. So yeah. maybe the shit coins were pumping, but Bitcoin was still just going, let's say, sideways at 8K. So I knew that it wasn't the right time yet to sell Bitcoin back to dollars. Yeah. But it was the right time maybe to sell some of this shit coin for, for Bitcoin, for sats. Yep, yep, yep. It sounds to me, though, that you're a little bit of the black sheep, both in your company, who are clearly not pro-Bitcoin, and also amongst perhaps your family or friends. You Or you alluded to at least you had some left friends. Yes, so, yes. I, most of my friends are quite lefty, actually. Yes. Um, same for me, actually. And yeah, definitely I am the Bitcoin guy in both, you know, at work and and in life as as well as I'm as I know. No one is more bullish on Bitcoin than me. I'm yet to find anyone more bullish on Bitcoin than me. I have done everything that they tell you not to do, right? I have I have like remortgaged my property to buy more Bitcoin. I have maxed out credit cards to buy more Bitcoin. I've taken on personal loans to buy more Bitcoin. So you know, trust me, no, I'm very few people are more bullish on Bitcoin than me. <laughs> Michael Saylor would be proud. Yeah. <laughs> he might yeah. have to. <laughs> wow, that is conviction. Um, I'm incredibly impressed with that. When I'm doing, see, even Lynn Alden is not that bullish. She's like, no, if you look yeah, at the portfolios right. that she manages, they're like, you know, a smallish percentage of Bitcoin. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in. I don't have any other asset I'm investing in other than Bitcoin. For me, I spend every day, every waking moment thinking about how can I acquire more Bitcoin? Like my entire life is on us. My entire sole purpose of existence almost is to acquire more Bitcoin. That's and how so I think about it. You're still very much in number go up mode. And yet there's also this kind of side of you that, so it's about the store of value for you personally, but you obviously also understand you were just talking from a humanitarian point of view in terms of the seven or 8 billion people on the planet and, you know, the use case for Venezuela and the use case for authoritarian countries and the use case for Africa and the countries that are kind of in greatest poverty. So um, do you find yourself... So it's both. It's just both simultaneously. It's, it's, it's it, it, I guess I guess so. Like I'm not gonna. It would I would be lying if I said I'm buying Bitcoin. You know because I really want the people of Venice. I'm really you know I'm trying to get the people of Venezuela out of poverty. You know it's you know I'll be honest. It's it's more selfish than that. But I do see though that Bitcoin is an asset that will help everyone around the world. You yeah. know. Um, 
whether we ultimately get to a Bitcoin standard or a hyper-Bitcoinization, whatever, even before then, Bitcoin is still, um, you know, as it's a monetizing asset on this journey we're, that we're going through, Bitcoin, it, it, it can help everyone. And, um, you know, every, it makes almost everything better. I heard a debate just recently between Pump and Michael, I'm not sure if I, was it Schellinger? Um, anyway, he... Yeah, I saw this doing the rounds on Twitter. Did you? I, I think, yeah. I thought the other guy won the debate. Everyone gave him heaps and said, oh, he deflected and he, you know, he was just never going to be one over and whatever. But he was hardcore. I will throw myself in front of a, you know, steamroller to make sure this doesn't happen. And there's plenty of pe people like me out there. You guys seem to want this small government, complete freedom. Like he was quoting Balaji. Um, how do I say Balaji's surname? It's not Srinivas, is it? Um, uh, the, about the nation state, the sovereign. It's not a sovereign individual, but he wrote a book recently about that. And going, you guys are just mad. You're just mad if you think you're going to break away from the nation state and that this is about. Yeah, look, I think that's that, yeah. That I mean, that is happen. that is that's massive speculation, isn't it? Like, ultimately, like you know, a nation state's going to break up or not because of because of because we go on a Bitcoin standard. Mm. I, I, I'm not I'm not sure. Um, I'm not convinced of that. Yeah, ultimately, you know, I, I do think that I do agree that government the governments are way too big these days, and I've I've lived in America and I've seen the amount of bureaucracy, government bureaucracy that goes on there, like just the process of getting a visa or any kind of all the freaking paperwork you've got to do around any kind of ID, getting an ID, you're going to the um the DMV, right? Like the, the bureaucracy machine is massive. And, and it's not a patch on Australia. Wait till you come to Australia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure, you know, all these countries, all these Next Western level. governments are the same. Yeah. Um and so, of course, government could be smaller um, and less and less wasteful. And you know, if we, and if they, if the, without fee, if they didn't have fiat money, if they couldn't print their way out of it, and they, if they, if if the only money was Bitcoin, they had the scarce asset. They'd have to be much more careful um, about the services they provide. They would have to provide actual services that add value to people. Otherwise, they're going to lose all their Bitcoin, and people are going to go elsewhere because yeah. they're very mobile. Yeah. So I do think that's true. But ultimately, what that leads to, or how long it takes to get there, is is I don't know, and, it, and it's speculation. But I'm gonna find I'm gonna find out either way. You know, I am a psychopath. I'm just gonna keep stacking sats and find out what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what some guy on a podcast is saying. I'm gonna keep stacking sats, being a hodler, a buyer of last resort, all the way down. Nothing is gonna stop me. Amazing. That is amazing commitment, really, because I get my doubts. I certainly have my doubts along the way and I think, oh, is there a way that the government could, you know, just force, I don't, I don't know, just freeze yeah, no, I, I, ramps? I had those doubts to, at the beginning, but now I think I don't have those doubts anymore. I think it's too big now for them to really stop it. They, they could have done that, right? True. Like, you know, they could have snuffed it out back in 2013, 2012 by, as you say, shutting down the on-ramps and off-ramps. But they can't like they can't do that now. Like Coinbase, the uh, these exchanges are public companies. You've got mine like miners that are public companies. Yeah. You know, 
Bitcoin is such a big asset class now that it's impossible to stop. I think this 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 um this ball is in motion and there's this train this train has no brakes at this point. Yeah. So you either get on the train or or you or you get left behind. Yeah. And I did hear someone in a podcast recently say, look, that, oh, I don't know where it was, uh, that the government knows, like politicians understand that. They, they, Whatever they say, they know that this is out of their hands and there's nothing they can do about it. So they either work with it or they, you know, or they, they lose, <laughs> really. <laughs> so for all the, all the noise and all the bravado around it, um, they actually know there's nothing they can do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe again. I think, think sometimes we, we kind of we look at what certain politicians are saying in the public eye, and we kind of think, oh, I'm sure you know they're just saying that, um, you know, because they have to. But in private, they're really they're actually a bitcoiner. You know, they're stacking stats, and you know they have their own stash. I, I do I do discount that, but like I said, from my experience in internally, JP Morgan, I don't. I think most of the time, what they're saying in public is what they believe. Mm. and you know, they they you know they if if, if this guy what, what's his name Shermer and the california um guy you know comes out oh. of some really brad sherman um you know comes out of some really Is it um great line great lines about crypto mm. um if he you know he wants to shut it down if he could if he if he could shut it down he probably would mm. um but they can't they can't they can't right there's there's it's it's unstoppable at this point so they can they can jawbone and talk all they want but it's just noise at the end of the day now and and um and as we said when there's when the flows come back right when there's monetary debasement again all of these funds these hedge funds these asset managers they're all going to come piling back into bitcoin just like we saw in 2021 this time you know even even more even even more extent and because they're going to they're going to find a way to buy the bitcoin they're going to find a way to buy that bitcoin you know whether the politicians like it or not because they they because the flows the market is just pushing them in that way they're too pushing them demand. in that direction yeah just too much demand at the end of the day okay um that's great um so it's actually feeling like quite a good place to wrap up. We haven't gone quite some of the places that I would normally go into personal background and values, but I think a lot of that, not your background, but a lot of your values came out along the way. Yeah, um, yeah. Is there anything that you, is there anything you were hoping we could get into? Are there any final words for people who might be listening? Is there anything that, is there anything we haven't touched on that you think would be really valuable to discuss? Um, no, I, I think, I think you're right, Karen. I think this probably is a good time to wrap up. I think I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with the way the conversation's gone with topics we've covered. Um, you know, in terms of last words to people, I would say, don't lose, don't lose hope, you know, keep on, keep on hodling, you know, look at these prices right now as a gift to just keep stacking cheaply. Like it's not going to be this cheap for long. Mm. You know, I remember, Bitcoin trading sideways $8,000 back in, all the way through 2019. And I wasn't, I wasn't buying it. I didn't buy anymore. Mm. You know, I bought like say 16 K worth of crypto right at the beginning. And then I stopped, you know, I was, okay, I'm just going to leave. I don't want to put any more in. I'm just going to leave it go. But I should, what I should have been doing is buying more and more every month. Like I am now. Yeah. So whatever happens, don't stop buying mm. and don't worry about what 
JP Morgan or these other big institutions are doing, or BlackRock, etc., they will they will come they will come round when the time is right, and and until then, keep stacking. Fantastic. That that, that needs to be like you know big letters, big pink flashing keep stacking <laughs> yeah. Yeah, your well, laser eyes need to laser that into our brains okay exactly. um Spartacus what a pleasure to catch up with you um since the um you know since the conference this is yeah absolutely absolute, um absolute joy talking to you today Kara. I really appreciate the um the the opportunities to to chat again and um I'm sure we'll uh, we'll chat again soon, and I'm sure I'll also probably see you at the next Bitcoin conference in uh, Miami this year, hopefully. Uh, absolutely, 100%. I've got my ticket. I'm ready to roll. Um, awesome. Be well, my friend. Um, take care. Thank you for this time. Really appreciate it. All the Thanks, best. Thanks, me too. Take care.